Welcome to Career Insights, 1080's weekly podcast. Each week we will cover a different topic relating to job hunting with a variety of guests. This podcast originates from a LinkedIn live broadcast, so you will at times hear us refer to liking and commenting. Hi, this is Sarah Burgess from 1080. Today I am joined by Jill Amos and Emma Mitchell. So we're going to be talking about career anchors, so what they are and how they're helpful for you in your job search. So Jill has been along a few times now, so uh, most of you probably know she's career coach and executive coach. And this is the first time for Emma. Emma is also a career coach and she's a learning development and uh, leadership facilitator also. So I'm going to crack straight on with the first question, which is what are career anchors? So, uh, Jill, over to you for your first first thoughts there. Yeah, career anchors, uh, they're, if you like, a, a series of aspects about your career which anchor you to, to your career. They were first, dis, if you like, discovered or researched by a guy called Edgar Schein. And he came up with eight different anchors that people would demonstrate throughout their career which anchored them to what they chose to do next. Um, and there's eight of them all together, ranging from technical and functional competence um, right through to lifestyle career anchors. Wow, it's got someone from Chicago from here. Chicago. Oh, that's great. Hi, Let's know. That's brilliant. Thank you, Jill. And um, so, Emma, anything to add to that on the what, what are career anchors? Yeah, I think it's it's important to recognise that they are for you. They're you understanding yourself. They're the things that are really important to you. Um, so for me, it's putting it another way, really. They're the things in your career that you wouldn't want to give up, that okay. you wouldn't want to be without. Okay. That's great. And I would say what's, it's something which is about self-knowledge, which is really important when you're thinking about your career, particularly when you're thinking about changing jobs. The more self-knowledge you've got, the more helpful it is to really target your job search. Okay, that's excellent. So that leads nicely into the next question. So how are career anchors useful? So we've kind of touched on that, but do you want to expand a bit? So um, Jill, you look like you're just about to talk. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's it's all part of this um, managing your career. And it, first of all, it's knowing yourself. And one of the things is knowing what's really important to you in terms of your work values and your personal values as well. But also, very critically, what you're good at, because we excel best at things we're good at. And it's sort of pulling those things together so that you can actually really target your job search and actually apply for jobs, which where you're likely to be successful in the job, but also more likely to be successful in getting an interview and maybe a job offer. OK, that's great. Emma, anything to add to that? Yeah, and I think it's about having an understanding of why certain aspects of your job you might not feel good about, or even if it was your dream job on paper, perhaps when you're in the job, uh, it's not feeling like your dream job. And it could be that it's actually not sitting right with one of your career anchors that you haven't yet explored or understood. So yeah. I think when you know what's important to you, it can really help you think about the types of jobs you should be looking for, the types of organisations you should be looking for because they fit with the things that are important to you. That's great. So, I know when we talked yesterday, Emma, you mentioned about you kind of had your dream job on paper, but it didn't turn out like that. So can you expand a bit on that? Because I think that's helpful for people. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I did have my dream job um, in theory. Uh, I was the chief executive of uh, an educational charity, which 
um, which I loved in, in so many different aspects. But what I hadn't really considered was all of the aspects that go with being a chief executive. Um, and it involved an awful lot of time um, in the office, doing administrative things, reading things, checking things, signing things, um, lots of governance and, and those kind of things, which actually don't really sit with me as an individual. Um, I'm a very people-driven person, very autonomous. And one of my career anchors is autonomy and independence. Uh, and I think I felt a bit constricted for parts of that role. So whilst large parts of it worked really well for me, actually on reflection, there were also large parts of it that didn't. Um, and now I understand myself a bit better. I'm able to, to do the things that fulfil me in, in a much more positive way. Yeah. I think that's a really good example of why it's so important to know yourself. And sometimes it, it doesn't really come to the fore until you're actually in a job. But sometimes if you look back at your career and sort of plot it out, things you loved, things you didn't love, things you actively disliked, you can start to see a pattern emerging. And that's a really helpful exercise to do. Yeah, and I think we grow, don't we? We grow as people um, and, and things that were important to us at the start of our careers perhaps are slightly different. Although fundamentally our anchors might be there, how they manifest themselves as we move through our career will be entirely different. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I, I think when I've I've just recently done the assessment again and it's kind of come out as autonomous being one of my, my top ones, which given that I've worked on my own for 18 years, that kind of makes sense. Um, and then I thought, how did I ever fit into a corporate? But actually, I think now looking back, the times that I was at my best was when I had a really great manager who was just allowed me to kind of get on and do my own thing so he would just give me an accountability and leave me to kind of work on it so I, I think you're right that the focus of that might shift slightly but it's fundamentally there isn't it yeah yeah so how can people identify their career anchors so uh emma do you want to start with that one well very simply you can go online edgar shine has a very simple self-assessment um, which just involves you answering some questions and rating yourself um, and it will identify for you what those career anchors are um, Sarah's very handily <laughs> lifting up the uh, leaflet the pamphlet there with it in so it's not an arduous task that takes hours to do um, and it will just give you that opportunity to see what comes out as your top and, and what sits quite closely underneath it because we're not one-dimensional um, so there will be aspects of all eight that sit within us so yeah, and yeah, I think, Jill, you've got some other options as well, haven't you? Yeah, I think I think the questionnaire is always really useful um, because it, it's a more objective way. But I think the other thing to do is you can do this on your own with others. It's, it's sometimes that drawing it out, drawing out that career lifeline. What did I like? What didn't I like? Um, where I've been successful? Where perhaps I've been less successful? All of those. And look for the things that drove the success, if you like and the things that you love. And then you'll start to see, and think about the circumstances around it. And you'll start to see a pattern emerging, or if you can't see it, quite often somebody really close to you will be able to see it. Um, I once looked at somebody's CV, and he was actually doing a PhD, looking at the careers of IT people, and said to him as a result of it, I said, well, you've got a life, um, a life of um, teaching and learning behind you, which seems to be a key anchor. Mm. And he looked at me absolutely shocked because whilst it would be absolutely obvious to you or me, it wasn't obvious to him. So using somebody else's input can also be really helpful. 
Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, we've got a question here from uh, Mark. So how do we align our preferred career, career anchors with a practical decision on potentially accepting a role that may not be a perfect fit? Well, thanks for that, Mark. So, um, <laughs> that's so, an in-depth question. <laughs> there you go. So Emma, do you want to have a go to start with? Um, well, I think it's I think it's important to recognise that I'm not sure that anything is ever really a perfect fit um, in life. So I think it's it's really looking to um, consider what are my sort of top three career anchors and how do I spread those around in what I do? Um, and actually, is that going to be enough for me to make a decision on accepting this role? Um, or is it going to leave me feeling really unhappy because I can't actually, none of my top three career anchors are within that role. So when we're talking more practically, we, we have to be pragmatic in our thinking. Mm -hmm. um, we, you can't base everything on one specific career anchor. But if we can at least get a large percentage of our maybe our top three within the role that we're going for, then that's a good fit. <laughs> There you go. Thanks, Mary. Jill, anything to add to that? Yeah, no, I think I'd really um, echo that. But I think also it's say you've got a, a standout anchor, just say it was autonomy and independence, which is the one perhaps that rings true for the three of us here. If you've got going to an organisation which is likely to micromanage you and want, want you to know where you are every minute of the day, then that's one to consider because that's really unlikely to be a good fit. So it's, again, considering what is the anchor, what's the job like, comparing and contrasting, can I meet enough of those needs for my career anchors to mean that I could be happy in this role and deliver at my best? Yeah, that's good. So I think we've kind of covered this next question really in what Mark just asked. So about how does knowing your career anchors help you in your job search? I think we've kind of kind of discussed that really. So I guess the next obvious thing to do would be to talk about what are the career anchors. So we've mentioned that there are eight. So I'm going to just put up the kind of the definition of each one on the screen. And if you could just talk through what they are. So the first one is technical functional competence. So uh, Jill, do you want to start with that one? Yeah, technical functional competence. A typical one may be somebody who works in IT or it could be in finance or it could be in something like learning and development who really love knowing more and more and becoming more and more specialist in what they do. Now, the challenge is and quite often in order to progress, people actually have to move into management and that can be a real conflict for these people. But it's people who love doing what they do and the technical and functional side of it. Okay, great. Uh, we've just got a comment from Mark here. So he's just saying thank you. This is why Fuel 50 becomes so important. So Fuel 50 is a tool that we use at 1080 to help people to kind of identify what's important to them in job search. So thank you for that, Mark. And thanks to Trevor from saying hi here from St Albans and uh, also Moni, Moni from Hamburg. So we've got quite an international audience today. Thank you. Um, so Emma, anything to add there on the technical functional competence or shall I head to the next one? I just think it's important to say that you wouldn't want to give up those skills and actually, in fact, probably to really fulfil your career anchors, you'd want to develop that area of expertise throughout your career. So it's a sort of a developmental thing in a specialist area, whatever okay. that might be. Yeah, OK, yeah. good. OK, so the next one then is the general managerial competence. So, Emma, do you want to start on that one? Yeah, I think um, general managerial competence is all around 
people management and developing yourself to a level where you can integrate people from different parts of an organisation where you're not necessarily specialised, but actually cross-function to pull something together for more um, general goals. Sorry, is that me on my... Something's making a noise. I don't know if it's me or... Um, so I think management in itself is a skill, and I think often that isn't recognised with other people. Um, and it's people that actually thrive in getting the best out of others and pulling together different functions within an organisation in a more general way. Okay, great. Uh, Jill, anything to add on to that? Um, only that quite often the people that really have this as an anchor really identify their own success with the company that they work for. Mm. So uh, very important to them. Yeah, that's good. So just quickly going back to this book that I keep showing, when you when you have a look at here, it gives you a definition of each of the anchors and then it gives you examples. So it's really quite a useful book. It's very small, very thin, but it's um, it's got lots of useful stuff in there. So the next one here is auto autonomy and independence, which we have talked about. Um, so uh, Jill, do you want to kind of cover this? Yeah, very much. People have this as a career anchor, very much like to define work in their own way. Um, and they need to feel free um, and able to, on their own, in what they do in their career. That may mean that they do something like become uh, work in a freelance or be self-employed, but equally, it might be in a more looser-knit organisation, um, like smaller boutique consultancies, where you have your own work and you're expected to deliver in your own way. Okay. And Emma? Yeah, and I think it is important to recognise that you don't have to be self-employed to be autonomous or independent, but you do have to be in an organisation where their culture embraces that way of working. Um, so if, if this is your career anchor, as Jill said earlier, micromanagement is not going to be for you. Yeah. Yeah, I know I've already said it, but I think when I've when I've looked at my career line in the past, I have noticed all of the lows have been that kind of real micromanagement perspective that I've had, and it definitely hasn't worked for me. So, yeah, being controlled exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. which doesn't make me a control freak. <laughs> okay, so the next one then, security and stability. So, um, yeah, so having. Security and stability, I think it's probably important to lots of people at different times in their career. Um, but this is really about the having a stabilised career where you can sort of relax, where you've got some longevity, um, where you feel comfortable with your surroundings. So, I mean, that could manifest itself in financial security, benefits, pensions, those kind of things that are important to lots of people. But also geographical security, you know, the comfort of going to the same office, knowing the people, knowing what's around you. For some people, that's really important um, in terms of their career. They like that feeling of stability within their organisation. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and Joe, anything to add? Got, no, nothing to add, really. Although sometimes I think that one can be quite a difficult one to... Um, manage when we're in a, a world that thrives on change so much mm. yes that's yeah. true and it's just thinking about if that is your career anchor how are you going to find that amidst if you like all the different changes that go on at work um etc yeah that's good so I guess that's something you really are going to need to think about if this is one of your anchors then the organizations that you pick is going to be absolutely key isn't it so spending lots of time researching kind of the organizations that you think are going to give you that yeah 
and that may not be your traditional corporates actually although historically mm -hmm. they might have been yeah. i think as jill said the world is changing and that might actually be a smaller organization yeah. um, where there's yeah. going to be less change yeah you're right that's good okay the next one is entrepreneurial creativity so this one's brilliantly descriptive isn't it yes um, <laughs> I think probably it came out at them and hit them in the face really clearly. And these are people who really love an opportunity to create an organisation of their own. Now, that could be an enterprise of their own. So it doesn't have to be a money making um, organisation or it could even be a, um, like to create a new school of your own. It's just it's an organisation or an enterprise um, very much built on the, your own, own abilities um, and also a bit of willingness to take on risk and overcome obstacles. So definitely somebody who can get their head head down, see the vision and go for it. That's good, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and next week actually, we're gonna be doing a bit of a focus on portfolio careers again, and also semi-retirement. So if anyone has this career anchor, then it might be useful for you to come along next week talking about portfolio careers. Um, so Emma, anything else for you on entrepreneurial crea creativity? Yeah, other than everything that Jill said, also, I, I do think this anchor kind of appeals to people who live and die by their own decisions and their own risk taking. You know, it's all about them and their ability and they want to live and die by that, really. They want to control yeah. that for themselves. Yeah. And does this link in with the kind of the idea that we, you might have entrepreneurs that kind of come up with the great ideas, but then maybe quickly get bored with them? Would that link into this as well? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. If it becomes monotonous. Um, people with this as an anchor will start to get bored okay so that's really the next thing yeah. yeah yeah but it could also i think one thing to stress here it could be somebody who starts up a social enterprise so because often when we use those words entrepreneurial creativity we always think of if you like business but it could be something like a social enterprise as well yeah yeah that's really good and i guess also if you are if you're someone that kind of does need the stability of a, of a role then that could kind of satisfy this need for you couldn't it's doing something else outside of the organization yeah but in its purest form it could be somebody that goes in to help out failing businesses once they've got them back on the straight and narrow they jump and go and help another one yeah Good. that could well, be a way of fulfilling that anchor yeah excellent lots to think about isn't there yeah okay so service or dedication to a cause so emma do you want to start yeah, so this is all about work that you feel like you're achieving something that's of value, like you're giving something back. Um, that could be in a charitable sense. It could be in an environmental sense. But this is all work around um, where you feel like you're doing things for other people um, okay. or other causes. So, you know, for a lot of people, that's really important. And to our point earlier, it doesn't necessarily always have to be your main income it could be that you could fulfill this by volunteer work or other mm -hmm. things that you do but these are people who have a real strong sense of serving and other people and, and a dedication to making the world a better place really um which we could all do with a bit of couldn't we really but yeah. um uh, i think it's a it's a nice one to have yes yeah, Jill, anything else? Yeah, I think it's something where perhaps if you don't get it in the, your main job because because of various reasons, I think absolutely, as Emma said, because if it is an anchor and it's really important to you to make sure that you've got something else in your life, like volunteering, where you can fulfil this career anchor. 
or if it's something you think you might move into at a later stage in your career, start thinking ahead and thinking how you can start to do the networking or start building up the necessary expertise so you can move into this sort of area later on in your career. Yeah, that's a good point. And I know I've had a few clients actually that are very much now saying that they want to do something which is kind of more giving back. And I guess that also links to the stage of your career you're in, doesn't it? And that you maybe you don't need the income that you've had historically, so you can afford to do that. Because I guess if you're if you're talking about going to work at charity or something like that, then chances are the, the money will be lower. Yeah, definitely. Great, okay. So next one, pure challenge. So it sounds quite scary to me, but pure challenge. So. <laughs> Jill, do you want to talk about that one? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because when I think about it, I think about something like rock climbing. Yeah, that would actually terrify me. But I did a piece of work actually a few years ago, and I was working with an IT division of um, an investment bank. And what was really amazing is how many of them came out with pure challenge as a career anchor. And actually, when we unpicked it a bit, it wasn't quite as surprising as it may seem because they came to work every day at the same place mm. because this is about working on solutions to seemingly tough problems um, and sometimes they can seem like they're insolvable problems um, or sometimes it can be winning out over tough opponents or really overcoming difficult obstacles but when we actually talked to them and and, and did some analysis and dug deeper with all these IT professionals one of the things that was really important to them was problem solving of really difficult and of also crucial yeah. um, heavy duty IT problems. So when we unpicked it, it made a lot more sense than it did initially when everybody was thinking about, you know, um, climbing Mount Everest or something. Mm. So these challenging problems don't have to be physical ones. They can very definitely be intellectual ones um, or even, as you say, social ones winning out over tough opponents. Yeah. So I guess that in that case, Jill, you're talking about that, that I'm assuming they would have had technical um, as one of their anchors as well. Because, and the kind of the challenge is learning more and more technical yeah, issues some of them and things did. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, quite a few of them did. But the, the yeah. challenge, I think, superseded the technical. But right. their key for, for their roles, their key competence was in the IT division. That was actually problem solving. That was right, the number okay. one competence, competence for that role. Yeah. Excellent. So, Emma, any examples you can think of relating to Pure Challenge? Oh, not really. I not haven't got a huge amount more to add than what Jill said. It is really, this for me is all around problem solving. These are very solution-driven people. They want to find the solution to yeah. impossible problems in whatever field that they seem to be working in. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it really lends itself to anything in particular. Um, although, you could argue that very technical people often are faced with more problems. Um, although as in my general management career, I have to say that I've been faced with quite a few people problems too. So <clears throat> we, we do all have challenges in one way or another, but these are people that when it gets too easy, this is when they start to get unfulfilled and, and bored. You know, they want yeah. that yeah. real challenge of a problem on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So the, the last one we've got listed is lifestyle. So, Jill, do you want to start on that one? Um, yeah, I can do. I think really lifestyle is a, really about a, people have this, have want a situation that allows them to balance and integrate personal needs and maybe family needs and also the requirements of the career or the job. 
And so you can actually move everything towards an integrated whole rather than have completely separate pockets. So it's about living your life and your career sort of together rather than as, as different entities um, and finding something where you can make that work. So very much people this, they could actually be self-employed because that's the way they found to make it work. Or certainly people who want more flexible employment, which is interesting at the moment. With yes, the current yeah. situation. Yeah. If you've got anything, Emma, you could add to that, can you think of? Yeah, I think it's it's that sort of flexibility in their career where people's families are important to them um, and they don't want to, to give that up or forfeit those things. So they need that flexibility from their employer to be able to still be um, part of their family for major events or, you know, school things that they need to do with their children. Um but also they want a career that goes alongside that. So perhaps not jobs that require you to travel, leaving your family at home um, three weeks out of four. If, you're, if your career anchor is lifestyle, you would find that quite difficult. Yeah, that's true. And I guess now thinking about when, when people are starting to go back to work, work after you know being off, working at home potentially for a year this is quite a good time to be thinking about this um, and if you're yeah. jumping in then really important to investigate the company and just make sure you know about them and you know what their views are around this I've, I've already seen a couple of organizations saying that there's going to be no remote working which I think is really bizarre after all after this year that people are actually saying that but I think that's probably quite naive as well really definitely um, definitely given that people will probably have been performing in their jobs for the last year yeah absolutely. Um, I think flexibility is the way forward yeah uh, you know it isn't a one-size-fits-all is it and we know that you know the needs of the people are are the most important thing because they're the people that are delivering on the work yes um so Alison's come up with a question there so uh, how can a candidate assess their values if they haven't done so before well I guess there's a couple of ways you can do this. So you could actually do this by going online and asking Google if there's a values questionnaire and finding one that's there and completing that. Or you can just really sit down and give it some thought. Which of the things in your life and in your career are really important to you? And then from those which are really important to you, which things would you never compromise? Because that will get you down to about your, your top three or five values. Yeah. Um, and again, I think often as well, looking back through history, so looking at the history of your work and career, if you're a bit stuck, that can really help you identify what was important to you, because you'll be able to see from the highs and lows, that'll be when the highs will be when your values are being met, and the lows probably when they're not being met. Yeah, when was I at my happiest? When did I feel like I was really performing at my best? And what was it that was helping me do that? And then linking it to the eight um, career anchors will really help you come to, yeah. you know, get some thoughts around that in terms of what actually is important to me and why is it important to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, th and this assessment is very quick and easy to do. I think it took me about 10 minutes to go through and score them. And you can, you yeah. know, you can get that book off of Amazon really easily. So um, it's a great way. Okay. So, uh, do you think that your career anchors change over time? So we have touched on this, but Emma, do you want to expand on that? Well, I think fundamentally what's important to us as people, whilst we may not know it when we're starting out on our career, um, fundamentally they stay with us, but will manifest themselves in a very different way. I think as we've all talked about, um, you know, when we're first starting out, security 
um, of, of a regular income might be very important if we've got young families and mortgages and things to pay. Um, but that doesn't mean that those other career anchors have gone. It just means that they'll manifest themselves later on as we move through our careers. Um, Jill, what are your thoughts before? Yeah, I think circumstances make things change. I don't think people go from A to Z. So I don't think that it's extreme change. But I think probably if you've got two or three top anchors, they perhaps change in priority. And also perhaps how they manifest themselves, just as you said. So that perhaps if it's independence and autonomy, you might find that differently at the start of your career. Yeah. To the way you do at the end of your career. Yeah, um, so that might be because of your circumstances are very different. You're able to do it differently or just because you'd like to try things differently. Yeah, good point. Uh, we've got a question here from uh, Jeffrey. So great point on the importance of lifestyle. What makes you happy and allows you to be opportunity, risk and personal behaviour play a key part. What do you think? Uh, so, Jill, do you want to respond to Jeffrey? Yeah, I do think so. So the lifestyle anchor is what makes you happy. Interestingly, no, not, it's only an anchor for some people, not other people. But opportunity for it, well, absolutely. But also there is an element where we can create our own opportunities. Um, and we do have to balance that if you want to do have a lifestyle anchored career with the risk. It's just, but what, the important thing is that that is an informed decision that you take. So you're moving forward if you tend to anchor everything in a lifestyle approach in an informed way and that personal behavior would take part because if you're doing it in an informed way you'll be aware of what the highs are what the lows are what the benefits are and what the potential pitfalls are so again it's this about informed choice excellent anything to add emma yeah and, and i think that the part around personal behavior does play a really key part um because if particularly in our current situations where we've been working from home through the pandemic um, you know, we do have the ability to switch our laptops down and spend some time with our family. Um, so we have to make a, a conscious decision to actually behave in a way that still fits with with the importance of our lifestyle. Yeah. Um, because I think some people feel pressured when they're working at home. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for that. So we are we're now at kind of the end of our of our time slot. So um, any final thoughts to go away with? So, um, Jill, anything you want to add here? Yeah, I just think it's really useful, whether it's career anchors or just being very aware of your values, but really helpful to know yourself and what helps you to, helps you to be successful. And anchors is a way to do that. Excellent. And Emma? And I think if you can spend some time understanding your career anchors and what's important to you from your career, it will really help you in a job search. Think about the organisations that you're applying to, researching them and asking the right questions at the interview um, to make sure that the culture and, and values are a fit for you. Brilliant. Okay. I think the, the only thing I would add is the career line exercise, which we've kind of referred to. And I think that's such a valuable thing to do is to just plot your career from kind of start to now and identifying those highs and lows. And again, what you will see then is it will, as, as you say, meet or not meet your values in those cases. So brilliant. Thank you very much. It's been a really great conversation. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Career Insights and we hope you can join us again next week.